And I think, you know, for, for many of us, this time of year, you know, when we're, when we're closing out an old year, ready to begin a new one, um, one of the things that I really appreciate is how time feels like it, it slows down somewhat in between Christmas and New Year's. And, and, and I think it's especially important in a world where we're constantly going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. I mean, even just like anything from the news to life to activities to events, it's like we don't remember what happened three weeks ago, what the big thing was, because now we have another big thing. Well, I think this time that of, of the Christmas season that we celebrate in the, the big C church, the worldwide church, um, just gives us that time to pause and to reflect instead of just finishing Christmas and then we're on to the next thing. And, and as we're reflecting, and I encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to answer all those questions, maybe for yourself to take some time in this next week to do so. But it's important to remember the good, but I would also say the not so good too. It's important to reflect on both the good and the not so good, the things that we might not be proud of, maybe the things we have been through, uh, maybe embarrassed by the things that maybe we aren't sure or whether we would want to even reveal to someone else. Because I think it's important to remember where we've come from. It's important not to forget where we've come from. And this was true even for Jesus. Even for Jesus, that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but that's not where he was from. That's not where he was from because the scripture tells us that there was a lot that transpired from the birth time, from the birthday of Jesus to in the next few years. Um, Jesus, according to scripture, actually grew up in a little town called what? Nazareth, Nazareth. And how did he get there? Well, he moved from Bethlehem in Judea to Nazareth in Galilee with a stopover in Egypt. And if you're curious of that story, then join us next week. We're going to do a little rewind to see what happens there. But basically, his family, Mary and Joseph, they go to Egypt and spend some time there and then eventually settle in this little town called Nazareth. And uh, the scripture that we get that from is from Matthew 2, verse 23, which says, And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, and, the, and what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. That's just our little core scripture for today. He shall be called a Nazarene. See, in the ancient world, it was very, very difficult to hide where you came from, where you had come from. Because people didn't have last names, People didn't have last names like we would have that, you know, you would go down and, and share, uh, you know, and, and maybe connect with somebody that shared a last name. Um, you were actually called by where you were from. And that's why Jesus is called throughout Scripture, Jesus the Nazarene. He's identified as Jesus the Nazarene. And, and to many of us, when we read that Scripture or others, uh, we, we, to us it seems like it's just another title that's given to Jesus, just another name like Prince of Peace or King of Kings or the Messiah. Um, but when people would hear Jesus or hear of him or meet him the first time, Jesus the Nazarene had a quite different tone than you and I understand. Because where Jesus was from was not something to be proud of. It was not something to be proud of. It's kind of like, I think the modern equivalent would be, if you're a Cowboys fan, 
You might not want to reveal that here in Steelers and Eagles country, right? Can I get you right? You want to hide it. You don't want to like broadcast that. I don't know, maybe some people do. Then you get your flag stolen off your porch or something. There, I say, I am not a Cowboys fan, so you can keep, keep that out. But, but it was not, being a Nazarene was not something to be proud of or to identify as. And we see that time and again in Scripture. There's a passage in John chapter 1 where we have Jesus who is beginning to recruit his disciples, those who would follow him. And we have this guy named Philip who identifies Jesus. Oh my gosh, this guy like invited me, like he's the Messiah, I think. And he goes and he tells his buddy Nathaniel and he tells them like, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what was his buddy Nathaniel's response? Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth, right? Can anything good come from there? But keep in mind, Nathaniel himself actually came from Nazareth. Isn't that kind of ironic? Um, but there's another time in Scripture where the Pharisees are challenging Jesus, his, his supporters and followers, and they say, are you from Galilee too? Prophet doesn't come out of Galilee, they thought that those who had been chosen by Jesus cannot possibly be following a, a true rabbi or a prophet or a teacher in Israel if he comes from Galilee, known as Galilee of the Gentiles, the not right religious people. Uh, and you might ask, why the negative reaction, though? Well, that's, it was just that. The Jews didn't like the land of Galilee and where Nazareth was located because it was populated with so many outsiders, Many outsiders, the people that didn't measure up to their standards. Immigrants, immigrants who were working for the hated Romans. They were, they were trying to get a life here and they were working for the hated Romans and the Jews were like, ah, they, we can't stand them. They made fun of them time and again. They made fun of them just like here in Pennsylvania. We sometimes make fun of those from New Jersey, right? Um, but they believed that Nazareth, and even more specifically Galilee, was a religious abyss. It was full of people that really didn't follow the true God, that, that were kind of these outsiders. They weren't from here. They, they were kind of second-rate citizens. But Matthew yet affirms it was no accident that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. We have to ask the question, why, right? Why would, why would God kind of do this? Why would he arrange this for Jesus to be born in the little town of Bethlehem and then spend some time in Egypt and then wind up in this, this town that probably was despised by most people? What was the point? Well, maybe it was Jesus's point overall. Maybe it was Jesus, the point of Jesus overall, to redeem it, to redeem it. Maybe Jesus himself and his background that itself is a message. That itself is a statement. That he came for the outsiders and the immigrants, the aliens, the outcasts, the people that don't have religion right. The people that we would cast out on the side of the road and say, well, they don't, they're not the real people. They're not the real believers here. Maybe he had come for, to redeem the idea that being humble means being weak. Maybe he had come to let people know that nobody is born on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe the point was to inform people that just being religious doesn't save you. But it's also getting back to what God had planned. That if we go all the way back, 
all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, we see that God has a plan to redeem all nations and all people. It was something that over time, religion had forgotten. And we forget, don't we? As the, the worldwide church, I call it the big C church, uh, that, that as churches, and maybe you have a story in that, maybe you were hurt by a church, uh, maybe 10 of them, I don't know. Maybe there were things that went wonky or crazy or you felt like was maybe out of line. You know, that's what often happens when we're trying to follow God. We begin to put all these rules and regulations and then pretty soon the rules and regulations become the religion and we forget the Jesus, in our case, that we're worshiping. And that's actually the story, believe it or not, of our denomination here at Table Life Church. I thought it would be important just to tie that in today because uh, we're affiliated, if you didn't know, with what's known as the Church of the Nazarene. And it's very interesting because it kind of goes back to this idea about, about not forgetting where you've come from. Because in the 1800s, there was a Methodist pastor in California, and his name was Phineas Brzee. Pretty great name, right? That's a name that you would definitely name your your children. But Phineas Brzee, and he had a passion. He was a pastor, and he had a passion for mission work. He had a passion for reaching the poor and the neglected of Los Angeles. But Brzee, as he was pastoring, he saw that churches were absolutely doing nothing to connect with people that were on the street. The drug dealers, the, the addicted the prostitutes, the the homeless, and they didn't feel welcome to worship in the churches that existed. And so he helped start this mission organization, and he wound up releasing his credentials in the Methodist church because the denomination at the time was scared that having such people in their churches would hurt their image. So Brzee, he walked away from his church experience to this new calling of reaching the poor and the ignored of society who would never be welcomed at the denominational churches in town. And he eventually went on to go east and begin preaching in revival services. And eventually he returned to California and friends urged him to start a church for all people, especially, especially those in need of hope. He had a good friend named Dr. J.P. Whitney. And his friend, Dr. Whitney, suggested that he call it the Church of the Nazarene in honor of Christ coming from the lowly town of Nazareth, where the outsiders, the unwanted, the immigrants, the people that didn't measure up were concentrated and all from. And so in 1895, Brzee organized the first Church of the Nazarene in Los Angeles, California, with 135 members, which actually consisted, this is really interesting, of rich and poor, of homeless and white collar, of blue collar, high and low, and all people felt welcome there. And so that's our roots. And I have to say, over since that time back in 1895, there haven't been times that our denomination has gotten everything right but it's important not to forget where we've come from. It's important not to forget where we've come from, that we remember where we've come from. And so just as we wrap up this year, 2021, enter into a new year, 2022, remember where you've come from. As successful and as great things might turn out to be, 
or as, as terrible and unplanned and unexpected. Remember where you come from, no matter if you cherish it or if you'd like to hide it, no matter what others may try to convince you or call you, no matter what you are embarrassed about or maybe others don't know about you, no matter what you'd personally like to change or forget, no matter how successful you become or where you're headed, because just as with Jesus, God is in the business of redeeming it, of using it, and that includes all of it. So let's let that be our call on this last Sunday of the year. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember, you don't know how God is going to use it, what he's going to do with your story when you share it, how he's going to redeem it, or maybe even change someone else's life with it. And it's my prayer that as a church, we would do the same. We would do the same, that, that we could be a community that people could belong People can belong, rich or poor, blue collar, white collar, on the street or in the mansion, regardless of our, someone's religious history or background, that we won't ever get so caught up in practices and procedures that we miss people, especially those in need of hope. So as you're reflecting, as you're praying, as you're gathering, as you're getting ready for what's next, Remember where you've come from. What will God do, especially in the new year? And so we will celebrate today a table where all are welcome. An open table, a table that is meant for you and for people like me and all of us who are broken and and don't measure up. But yet we know that we are in need of grace, that we can't do it on our own, that we can't be good enough or uh, try to work our way to being good with God. And that's okay because God offers us a gift of grace. And that's what we're reminded of when we celebrate at this table. And um, on this last Sunday of the year, that, that as we, we join in together, we take bread that has been one loaf or one piece together. And it's interesting, it's broken up into many pieces and it becomes a part of us. Isn't that cool? That we become actually the body of Christ and we don't forget where we've come from. And that as we share this meal too, we share it with people around the world, around the world from, yes, different denominations and backgrounds, different languages and places, but yet we are united and we don't, rem- we've, don't forget where we've come from. And so I invite you today that as we approach this table to confess in your heart the ways that maybe you've failed, <laughs> you haven't measured up, you've, you've lost out or made a mistake, you've made a wrong choice, and, and confess them in your heart to the Lord today. But yet know that he says these words, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Bring it to him and you are forgiven. And that's the beauty of grace, to know that we need it, but that we accept it. And so Jesus, Jesus offered that grace. He redeemed not only Nazareth, where he had come from, but his mission was to redeem the world, 
to redeem us individually as well as the world. And so as a, a demonstration of that, before he would go to the cross, before on the night before he gave himself up for us, he gathered together with his disciples around a table. And as part of that meal, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and said, take this, all of you and eat it. This is my body, which is given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, as was the custom, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this, all of you, and drink it. This is my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, a sign of the new covenant. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. And every time that we take this bread and we drink this cup, we're reminded. We're reminded of what he did for us. Because the, the, the stable isn't the end of the story. We know that Jesus grew up and that he called disciples and taught them. And, and the scripture tells us the amazing things that took place in between there in those three years. But he would go to a cross and he would die. But then three days later, he'd be resurrected. We remember that he went through that for each and every one of us. And that he offers us that gift of grace. Because of him, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death and anything that, that can come before it. Because he has opened the gates to eternal life. And he offers us that gift when we receive his grace. But it's all.